Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. This was six years ago. I was 12 at the time. I had just gotten back from school, had my lunch, and was watching TV because that was the thing back then. My parents were out, and my grandma was sleeping in her room. Randomly, my peripheral vision picked up on something from the room next to the TV. I tried ignoring it because, well, I was trying to enjoy my favorite cartoon. But soon after, I felt something move in the room. My eyes turned and were met with the teeth of a person. I tried to see what or who it was, and all I could see was this black figure smiling at me with its teeth wide open. It appeared to be a woman. I was shocked, unable to move. I was frozen. I kept looking at it for a solid five seconds, and then she started moving towards me. That's when I thought, forget this and I got up and ran towards it, slamming the door shut. I ran out and into our backyard. I couldn't get my act together. I couldn't breathe. I kept staring at the house, checking every door and window to see if something was following me. When I finally calmed down, which took about ten minutes, no exaggeration, I went back inside. The door was still closed, so that was a good sign. I went to check on my grandma who seemed to be still sleeping. I wanted to wake her up, but I just couldn't. I don't know why. I sat in front of the TV, staring at my favorite show, trying to ignore the fear and everything that had just happened, just praying for it to be a nightmare. But it was definitely real. After a while, my parents came home and I felt safer. I called my friend and told him everything. Strangely, I forgot about the incident. I don't know how. I never told my parents until about a month ago when a horror movie triggered the memory of the figure with the teeth or whatever it was. My parents refused to believe me because I hadn't told them about it for six years. And they thought that it was just a dream. But my friend remembers it. And it was very real. I never saw anything like that again except for this strange night last week I'll have to tell you all about it next time. I believe it to be a spirit. I don't know what kind, but it was something. I've tried to rule it out as a hallucination. When my baby sister was three or so, 
she suddenly developed an imaginary friend. I was a tween at the time, so I was honestly quite glad she had something to distract her other than me, considering I was her built-in babysitter 24-7, and like all kids on the cusp of puberty, would much prefer watching TV than constantly entertaining a toddler. So naturally, I always encouraged her to play with said friend, and she would do so at all hours of the day, giggling away in the living room as I supervised in peace. My parents, too, were a little shocked as to how taken my sister had suddenly become with her friend, but my mom would just chat away with her friends about how funny it was. Both she and I never had imaginary friends, so we both thought it was interesting. My dad, however, was more quiet on the subject, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. After about a month or so, we're all in the living room and my sister is playing, and my mom is on the phone with my grandmother. She suddenly calls over, What's your friend's name, baby? And my sister replies, Kevy. My dad immediately shoots up from his seat, and he has the weirdest look on his face. He goes to my sister and asks her to say their name again, and after she does, my dad looks sick. My dad is a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve and isn't afraid of showing his emotions, but never before had I seen such a look of raw horror on his face. Even now, ten years later, I've never seen him so scared before. My dad runs to the back of the apartment, and I follow out of curiosity, but he just calls for my mom and they shut me out of the room. Eventually, later that day or the next, my dad told me a story. He had an imaginary friend when he was little, named Kevy, and considering he was the youngest kid in his family by more than ten years, Kevy was his best friend. He had this imaginary friend for over five years or so, and my dad told me that at first, Kevy was normal. But as time went on, he got meaner and meaner, and eventually escalated into telling my dad terrible things, and that he should do terrible things. This scared the hell out of my dad, and one day, he told Kevy to go away, and he just did. My dad never told his family about the bad things Kevy had said, and they all assumed he naturally grew out of it. He never mentioned having an imaginary friend to anyone, including my mother and I. He also didn't tell me exactly what Kevy had said to him either, and I didn't push. He really looked terrified. The next week or so, my family saged the house repeatedly, went to churches, and left cleansing tablets in all entrances to the apartment. We told my sister that Kevy wasn't allowed to stay anymore, and while she was upset at first, eventually she stopped mentioning him, and we never talked about him again. It has been a decade since then, and only recently has this memory come back to me after I've reconnected with my dad and we were reminiscing about our time in that apartment. I didn't mention this event to him, though. My family is very superstitious, and so we completely dropped it, save for continuously saging the house every couple of months. Kevy is not even the real name of my dad and sister's imaginary friend, 
I didn't feel comfortable typing it out. This had been a long-buried memory, and honestly, even typing out the story feels wrong. My grandmother, my mom's mother, recently passed away about two weeks ago. It was a very hard time for my family and my mother. She was the very last grandparent I had, as my other grandparents passed away years ago. Additionally, in 2021, I lost two uncles within five weeks of each other, both my mother's brothers. One was expected and the other was not. So it's been a rough couple of years for my poor mom. She's slowly healing, but I am sure that it still hurts her. She was over at my house last night and was telling me about traveling back home because she had to fly overseas for the funeral. She also talked about how it was nice being with her family and just laughing and crying together. She had made it back home one day before my grandmother passed and got to see her one last time. My mom told me some interesting stuff that happened while she was back home with my grandma. The first thing happened after my grandma was hospitalized. She had been taken to the hospital at some point before my mom even got there. My mom said, while the family was visiting her, my grandma, who was 97 at the time and mostly blind, said that she could see her husband, my deceased grandpa, and my two uncles that had also passed away. They were all standing in the room, waiting for her. My mom and aunts and uncles were asking her what she's talking about and told her that there was nobody else there. I've heard about people seeing loved ones right before dying, so I thought that it was very interesting. Not long after that, my grandma passed away, and they had her funeral for her. Almost the entire town came to my grandma's funeral, as funerals are a big deal back home. My mom, of course, was devastated, but it was expected after all. That night, my mom told me that she had a dream that she was with a bunch of deceased cousins and family, as well as some living ones. My mom said she looked at her deceased relatives and said, what are you guys doing here? She said that one of her cousins told her, we're just waiting for your mom. My mom said at that point, one of her cousins who was alive came up to her and gifted her with two boxes of sweets. He said, one is for you and the other is for your sister. We're sorry for your loss. My mom says that she woke up after that. The next day, my mom said that she went to my grandma's house to clean out some things with my aunt. My mom said that they had tons of visitors and people coming to pay respects. At one point, my mom said her cousin from the dream came to see her. He had brought two boxes of sweets with him. He gave one to my mom and one to my aunt. And obviously my mom was shocked. She told him about the dream and they all kind of laughed together and discussed it. My mom kept repeating to me how shocked that she was at that moment when the same scenario from her dream happened in real life. I asked my mom, who was 56, about what she thought about grandma seeing dead relatives and what it all means, the dream included. She said, I don't really know. 
but it has to be something good. I told her that I agreed. In my opinion, there is something very comforting about knowing you could get to see all of your loved ones again when you die, and that they almost welcome you home as you pass away. This tells me that there just has to be something better waiting for us after this life. I know it. Thank you for listening. I would like to tell my story about an encounter I had at March Air Force Base in Riverside County, California, back around in 2004 or 2005. During that time, I was in the 4th or 5th grade. My sister was in the 7th or 8th grade. Our grandfather was in town visiting from Hawaii, and he had us come stay with him while he was in town. He is a Purple Heart recipient from the Vietnam War, so he has access to the hotels on military bases. So we get to the hotel at March Air Force Base, and as we are checking in, the guy at the counter lets us know that we are the only people in the building for the night, besides one other guy who's by himself. The very building we were staying in was a former tuberculosis ward and a morgue for children at one point in history. We get to our room and get settled in before eventually... My grandfather asks me and my sister if we will go down to the ice machine to get some ice. We agreed and headed off to the ice machine, which was centrally located in the hotel on the bottom floor. There were two ice machines, separated by a big round wall in a lobby-like area. We make it down there and start to fill up the bucket, and as we are filling it up, we hear two children laugh which sounded like a young boy and girl. We figured maybe there were other people in the building, and the guy at the counter was wrong about us being the only ones there, besides the one guy he had mentioned, so we just brushed it off like it was nothing. Very shortly after hearing the laugh, the ice machine completely stopped working, and no ice came out, so we decided to go to the other side where the second ice machine was, and we were expecting someone to be there, since we heard children's laughter not even 30 seconds before the first ice machine quit. But as soon as we got to it, there was no one there. We never heard a door close or anyone walk off. But yet again, we brush it off, as if they just got out of the room very quietly. We were now at the second ice machine, and were trying to finish filling up the ice bucket. But before we could, we heard two children laugh directly behind us, as if they were standing right there. There was no one in sight, anywhere, and no possible way that noise could have come from a real, living person. My sister instantly freaked out and took off running back to the room. I was frozen in fear for about five seconds, before I took off running as well. Once we got back to the room, my grandpa didn't believe our story and was upset we didn't fill the bucket up, so he went down to the ice machine and finished the job with no issues. 
My sister and I would routinely recall this story throughout our life, and it would be our own little experience that no one would take seriously. That was until around 2015 when stories started surfacing on the internet about people hearing children laughing and seeing apparitions of children at March Air Force Base regularly that we were able to validate our story. This experience has had me believing in ghosts ever since it happened. I wish I knew why it happens, but something does happen when you die, and it's not like before you were born. Ghosts are real, and I have no explanation for it, but it fascinates me to this day, and I almost wish I could experience it again. About 15 years ago, I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time, living the carefree young adult life. You know, just two guys having a great time. We were in a warm country. No carefully filled itinerary whatsoever. Just living in the moment. Doing whatever we felt like. My friend, who originally came from Spain, still had family there which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation, a roof over our head, and a working bathroom with fresh showers. Also, three meals a day if we liked. They also gave us a spare key so that we could come and go as we pleased. During the day, we often went swimming to keep us as cool as possible, and during the evenings, we would explore the city. We would go out for drinks or maybe to a club. On a certain day, somewhat towards the end of our month-long stay there in Spain, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out on a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea, although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers. The burning summer sun, too many beers, and the wavy feeling of being out on the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness both for my friend and me. His uncle, however, thought that it was funny. After having had an afternoon of rest, or as they call it, siesta, and a very fulfilling late-night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us, although not too many, as we were still feeling a bit groggy from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, no clouds, Little to no light pollution. It made the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, well, it was the perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life. If there were any other intelligent life out there, if we would live for another 1,000 years or not, well, you get the picture. The crashing of the waves against the sand on the beach and the rocks was very calming and it was lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist. There was no outside world, no life with responsibilities, no obligations, no expectations, no working hard to get somewhere. It was that moment that we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand on the beach sounded different, harder, like something was moving in it. Under the waves, 
a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline, it started to take the shape of a dog. We both looked at each other and noticed that we had been holding our breath for about a minute, and it was this minute that it took the dog to crawl from the sea into the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing, because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from? There's nobody around. We never saw any dog go into the sea. Neither was there any dog swimming around. It came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious. And actually, that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog I had ever seen, as it was crawling along the beach, solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked to be the size of a small horse, but in the shape of a dog, or maybe a wolf, with matted fur. It had very present, bony joints in its knees and elbows, and it walked a bit awkwardly. My friend and I were debating if we should follow this quote-unquote beast, and decided that we actually wanted to find out exactly what it was. I took out my phone and started to film it, but this was as far as 2008 smartphones could film in the dark. By the time we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and disappeared into them. We saw that it had left a track, and we decided to follow that into the dunes. We weren't prepared for what we saw next, though. This beast had left a track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoofprints in a straight line instead of crisscross patterns, as with any other four-legged animal. No horse could have walked in such a line, and even though it had looked to be the size of a horse, it hadn't looked anything like the shape of a horse. Neither were horses aquatic animals. We followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune, when we saw this thing standing about ten meters from us in a speck of moonlight. It didn't look anything like a dog either. It looked like it had the lower half of a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just the dimensions were off. The shape was awkward. It was such a big animal that neither of us could place under any existing animal that we knew of, with matted fur and bony joints that had just come out of nowhere from under the water. But clearly it could walk and survive on the land as well, and it also left hoof marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind the beast and had given away our presence, it slowly started to turn its head towards us. While it did this, it stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water, as well as could survive on land and walk on four legs, it could clearly stand and walk very well on just two legs as well. The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs. It must have been around two and a half meters big. It stared at us with red glowing eyes. These were not to be mistaken with the eyes of any nocturnal animal with reflective eyes. These were actually glowing from within. I felt stuck in my spot, completely frozen. But luckily, 
my friend who was just two steps behind me, had the presence of mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour, but it must have been closer to ten minutes because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it. The beast had not followed us, or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle. Of course, he thought that we must have still been drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't really there. But we showed him the recording, and he went pale. He took a shovel. A gun would be more impressive against a beast like that, but it's not like the average European just has guns lying around, and asked us to show him where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours, but didn't find the beast again. However, we did find those hoof marks, albeit a bit washed up because of the current from the sea. We went back home trying to make something of what we had just seen, but we couldn't. We needed to know what that animal was that we had just seen. We started Googling all kinds of things. Of course, with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat, we stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil, which we discarded. See, we had seen an actual live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet, and we wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks, one straight line, that we stumbled upon the term, the devil's footprints. It was actually a thing, or at least something that had supposedly been seen before, according to myths and stories. But they must have had some truth to them, since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eyes. During the last few days left in Spain, we spent those nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find this thing again, but to no purpose, as we never saw it again. When I came home a few days later, I saved the recording on my hard drive, not sure of what to do with it yet. I don't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil because I don't believe that I did. I just wanted to know what this animal was and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. I tried to forget about it, but I couldn't. And a year later, I decided I wanted to publish the recording in hopes that anyone could make any sense of what I had seen that night. The uncle of my friend hadn't seen the beast in all that time and had asked around in town if anyone had ever seen it, but they hadn't. I had switched phones by then, but luckily I had the recording saved on the desktop, where I had replayed it at least a thousand times. I booted up my desktop, and something was wrong. I had to restart my desktop a couple of times, and after booting it up into safe mode, I got the message that my hard drive was no longer working. I tried whatever was possible to try, but I just couldn't recover the recording in any way. Now, 15 years later, I'm still breaking my head over what this beast was that we encountered. Only that friend and his uncle are still branded by the experience like me. My friend even took it so far as to go live in Spain again, near the beach where it all happened, and still continues to actively look for the beast to this day. Maybe one day he'll find it.
My whole life has been filled with crazy, otherworldly experiences, but the most vivid ones that I can think of are from my childhood home, a very rural area up in the mountains. It would take us 45 minutes to an hour to get into the city, driving up and down windy, dangerous roads. Back in the early 2000s, my parents and I lived in a neighborhood that was heavily involved in witchcraft, Satanism, etc. We didn't actually discover this until we had moved away, so it all made sense afterward. We lived in this house for five years. Our house was two stories. We had a basement, which was our family room, that also had a separate office room. We detached the door to this room so it would be permanently open, directly facing the couch we would sit on to watch TV together as a family. Adjacent to the office, we had an electric piano right against the wall, so the office entrance would be on our right if we were sitting there. This information will be important later. The first year was fine, but gradually, the events became much more malicious and sinister, to the point where we couldn't take it anymore. We were likely the only Christian family in our neighborhood, and I believe others quickly caught on because we didn't celebrate Halloween and didn't participate in giving out candy to the neighborhood kids. This angered our community, even though we were kind to others and kept to ourselves for the most part. Our house was egged, and we became a target of seemingly harmless pranks and house vandalism. Then, all of the paranormal events started happening after my black cat disappeared right before Halloween. We were coming home from church one night, and it was close to midnight. We pulled into our neighborhood, and sitting on the sidewalk corner, all by himself, was a little boy in a green shirt. My parents were slightly unsettled, because it's unsafe and unusual for a child to be out this late at night. They considered talking to this boy, but when we drove by him, he looked up, and my parents saw that he had no face. A completely blank slate where his face should be. Needless to say, we booked at home, and my parents didn't tell me at the time because I was maybe five or six to spare me from nightmares. But some years later, they told me this is what happened. Then things started happening around the house. My mom and I used to take piano lessons so one day, while my dad was cooking lunch, my mom was in the basement practicing on the electric piano. I was in my parents' bedroom watching Stanley, a children's cartoon that was really popular back then. While my mom was practicing piano, a child's hand popped out of the office room and mimicked a child's voice, telling my mom to come and play. She thought it was me and told me to cut it out. The voice taunted her to play again, and my mom became irritated that I was distracting her from practicing. So she stomped into the office to find no one there. I'll never forget how pale she was when I heard her scream my name and run up the stairs. She asked my dad where I was, and since I heard her, I ran to her, asking what she needed from me. She asked me if I was messing with her, and I told her I had no idea what she was talking about. 
My dad chimed in and said I was in the bedroom the whole time. She concluded that it must have been her imagination, apologized to us, and went back downstairs. Not even ten minutes later, she ran back upstairs, panicking, saying that the child's hand appeared again in the office talking to her, and she knew it couldn't have been me. She was freaked out the rest of the day. Another instance was when we were watching The Ring in the basement at night, around the time of the first jump scare of the movie, when they open the closet and see the disfigured girl. My dog starts barking like crazy at the same office entrance. He would charge at it and then back away, as if something was trying to force its way closer to us. It became really cold, and I started crying because I felt scared and uncomfortable by my dog's strange behavior. My dad turned on the light in the office, but nothing was there. My dog was going nuts, chasing something we couldn't see. So we decided to call it a night and go upstairs to bed. My dog had a big crate in the garage that he would sleep in, so my dad put him there before we went to bed. At this point, we called the minister from our church to come and pray for us. He prayed for our protection, but things got so much worse after that. A few nights later, we all woke up to screaming coming from the garage. It sounded like a little girl being brutally murdered, screaming so loud it pierced our ears. My dog was also barking like crazy, so we knew we had to do something. My mom and I hid behind a dresser, and my dad hesitantly took a long, decorative bamboo stick as his weapon to go to the garage and see what was going on. He said that he was shaking going downstairs, and that the screaming got louder and more violent, right up until his hand touched the doorknob. As soon as he did, there was complete silence. It was eerie and too quiet. The only thing making noise was my dog whimpering and barking, so my dad got him as quickly as possible and noped right back upstairs. We started sleeping in the same room after that. Once we settled back down, my mom and I fell asleep first, but my dad was wide awake. He said he could hear something pressing buttons on the TV remote on his bedside table. He didn't dare look, but shut his eyes and pretended to sleep until he eventually did. Another day, my mom was at work and my dad was outside mowing the lawn. Being an only child, not interested in AOL dial-up internet yet, had to find ways to entertain myself. I was spinning in circles until I'd make myself dizzy. Mid-spin, I saw a man standing in the hallway with a gun pointed right at me. I was so startled, but I was so dizzy I fell over, scared to death. I screamed for my dad and ran sloppily to the front door. I didn't want to look back and see if he was still there. My dad was worried sick for me in my panicked state, but what could he do? What could any of us have done? My dad put the house up for sale and sold it to the first buyer. We were out of there so quickly it wasn't even funny. These events traumatized me.
Have you ever had an imaginary friend? I never did have an actual imaginary friend. I never really understood the concept. I pretended like I did. I even tried to like create one.、Mm-hmm. He was a duck. I forget his <laughs> name, but you know me and my obsession with walking, talking ducks. Yeah. But、uh, it just didn't work. I knew that it was just me trying to make something up. So, yeah, it just never worked, even though、right. I was an only child and I was desperate for a companionship.、Aww. It just makes me wonder you know, do kids with imaginary friends knowingly make them up because it didn't work for me? Or do their subconscious brains do it for them? Or are they real beings? Right. Yeah. I think it's probably just the subconscious desire for companionship, like you said. Yeah.、Um, I definitely never talked to some real invisible person who wasn't me and had their own name or whatever. Right. But I have early memories of having, from what I thought to be at the time, pretty deep two way conversations with myself all inside my head. And in my little boy brain, I remember thinking that my inner voice. Was in some way external to my flesh and blood self, if that makes sense. That does make sense. I didn't think that, but I did have that internal voice, that internal monologue. I looked that up recently because I was curious if other people had that as well. Apparently, there are a lot of people that don't have their own voice in their head. They don't have that conversation with themselves. That is weird. Yeah. I can't imagine going through life without talking to myself. <laughs> What's going on in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. As a kid, I think I basically just hyped up what we all know now to be our conscience, I guess. But when I was like six, I remember daydreaming a lot in class and asking questions about life and basically responding to myself and thinking I unlocked some sort of cheat code <laughs> to never feeling lonely again. That's pretty good.、Um, I might have thought that. I was a weird, weird kid, but that is precious. I love、yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. I actually looked into it a bit, and apparently, most kids know that their imaginary friends don't actually exist, but they experience real feelings of comfort thanks to the friendship.、Hmm. Yeah, studies show that around 65% of kids had imaginary friends at some point before they turned seven. Wow, so I really was in the minority. It's funny because you know how you would play imaginary games with friends like G.I. Joe or Cops and Robbers, where you'd imagine、oh, yeah. all of the weapons and scenes, and then you'd shout out what you were doing and stuff.、Mm-hmm. Well, I actually did that on my own. I was a weird kid, an only child. I'd be in my room playing X Men, pretending to shoot beams out of my eyes at imaginary Magneto with. Full on conversations and sound effects all by myself. Nice. I remember really enjoying it too. And that's kind of sad, I guess.、Yeah, it's fun playing with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and、uh, in kindergarten, I remember whoever wore a certain color got to be that Power Ranger.、Mm-hmm. So naturally, I begged my mom to buy me more red shirts so I could be the Red Ranger every single day. But Eventually, the other kids caught on and we basically became a set of bloods in our suburban California town. You know, talking about kindergarten and Power Rangers specifically, it brings back like the, the, the memory of liking girls, but being embarrassed about it. Like,、mm-hmm. you know, discovering yourself. And I remember having a huge crush on Kimberly, the Pink Ranger. I think、yes. everybody did. It didn't matter. Everybody. It didn't matter who you were. You loved. We all flaunted that. There was no shame there. Amy Jo Johnson, I think, was her name. Yeah. yeah. Or is her name. It's like, like she's dead. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, 
No, um, that would be the Yellow Ranger. No, rest, rest in, in peace. peace. Um, but yeah, I remember my friend making fun of me, taunting me because he knew that I had a crush on the Pink Ranger. He was a couple years older than me. He was a bit of a bully. I don't know why my mom let me hang out with him. Um, it made me feel really bad about it. But looking back on it, um, he was missing out. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, in in lieu of you playing X-Men by yourself, I would do this thing where I would obsess over any recent movie I saw as a kid. Like after seeing Three Ninjas for the first time, I insisted on teaching my brother and sister karate on the trampoline in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I also tried really hard to get my dog to talk to me after seeing the live action Jungle Book movie from 1994, I think it was. I don't think I even saw that movie. I didn't even know that existed. Um, did she ever talk to you? No, but my dad had me convinced that she laughed like a human whenever I wasn't home. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the figure with the teeth in the dark. Mm. That was both terrifying, but also super interesting. I couldn't imagine seeing that as a child and recovering like they did. Right. We've talked about shadow people to no end but this one is the only one I can recall that had teeth, which is a big yikes. Do you remember any others? I'm pretty sure the entity from the backseat smile story was uh, rocking a gnarly set of chompers. <laughs> that makes sense. It was titled yeah. Backseat Smile. <laughs> um, I guess you're right. I completely forgot about that one. It happens to the best of us. Well, moving on to the story about the ill grandmother, it got me thinking about a story a listener shared with me about her relative who was undergoing surgery. She died for a brief period and was revived. Mm -hmm. She said that while she was out, she was floating around the hospital and described details like the colors of someone's purse at the front desk and Whoa. other details that would have been impossible for her to know considering she had been in her hospital room for days on end. Dang. If this podcast has given me anything, it's simply reinforced my belief in the afterlife. Me too, yeah. Not to mention, yeah, exactly. Not to mention the numerous other cases of near-death experiences, which is something more heavily studied than mm. we might think. Yeah. I highly recommend the books Journey of Souls by Michael Newton and Imagine Heaven by John Burke, I believe. Yeah, I have Journey of Souls. I got to read it now. Um, the last thing I do have to touch on is the creepy devil horse dog thing from my last story. Um, <laughs> I want to let the author know, I believe your story. Um, coming from a deeply religious Pentecostal upbringing, I've been told stories similar to yours by friends that I completely trusted. The fear in their eyes when they would share these kinds of things, the stories about demonic sightings. It, it was real fear, and I'd love to chat more about it. Feel free to reach out. Definitely. And I would like to remind our listeners that if you're sitting on a story that you're thinking about sharing with us, mm -hmm. please just send it over. Yeah. We love reading through all of them, no matter how bizarre they might be. If you don't think they'll make the cut, don't let that deter you. Just do it. Yeah, and as a reminder, you can send those to stories at oddtrails.com. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, this week, you have heard Figure with Teeth in the Dark by Viper3775. My dad and sister had the same imaginary friend by Simon. My mother's experience with my ill grandmother by Sheed51. Ghost Encounter at March Air Force Base by 
Haram B. The Pope, The Devil's Footprints by Makis Kurisu23, and finally, My Childhood Haunted House by Peaches and Mangoes. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you'd like to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate and support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash odd trails to help us out. You'll get instant access to all of those episodes. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, like Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast, Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, and the Old Time Radio Cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.